0: Hi, and welcome to Green Planet Blue Planet Podcast, where you get to hear interviews and insights with artists, entrepreneurs, social change makers, anyone in the regenerative movement who is truly making a difference in the way they think, they work, and they are simply being. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a share of myself with you what's been happening in the last few months, what's coming up into the start of 2020 and some of my learnings in this podcast journey so far. And I'm sure at this point you found out which of the episodes most resonate with you, what kind of insights you can take from this amazing journey. So first things first, let me ask you and empower you and invite you to share one of your favorite episodes with your friends, with your colleagues, with your social media following, because the more people hear the stories of our um social impact makers and change creators, the more those stories travel and become the new normal that um, they really deserve to be. So first things first, I'm recording this uh, short episode today here in Sao Paulo in Brazil, where I've spent the last month. um, This time around, I didn't host a retreat. That was earlier in 2019. This time I started out simply enjoying the holidays and the New Year's With my partner and girlfriend, Lohana Scarpioni, who's on her very own mission of um, being one of those amazing social impact creators with her company, Believe, a peer-to-peer platform to create um, time exchange and through time exchange, create skill and mentorship exchanges. If you want to know more about that, it's Believe.com, B-E-L-I-I-V-E.com, Believe.com. Well, Alohan and I had the pleasure to explore beyond Sao Paulo, also Florianopolis. If you ever want to come to Brazil, I highly recommend you check out Florianopolis. It's a gorgeous island of the coast of Santa Catarina, which is uh, in the south of Brazil. And so, yeah, I really got some time to chill out, relax, surf, play in the water like a child, and simply connect with Mother Earth, which is one of my most favorite things to do, to connect back with our roots and with the simple ways of being and enjoying this planet. And some of you already know, uh, I got invited at the beginning of the year 2020 to fly to Bolivia and teach at a conference called Clubes de Ciencia, which is Spanish for clubs of science or science clubs. And this is an organization that is active in multiple countries around the world with about eight to 10,000 members and participants at this point. In Bolivia, there were 400 participants in the age of 18 to 22 and a whole group of um, instructors and teachers. And I was one of them teaching in the science environment about the importance and the role of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and how to apply that self-awareness into our work, our creations, um, simply to create a positive environment and create a change in the environment. And it was very interesting to see how that was being received in a crowd of 400 kids and youth who were studying uh, science and different forms of science from um, biology to genetics um, to scientific research that is way over my head. But basically, the role of emotional intelligence is rising in people's recognition. And it's, it's a pleasure for me to see that to understand that if we're able to um, accept our emotions, learn from our emotions and see them as a baseline of information that create a maturity but then also a setup for connection and deep and true connection with the people around us, for trust, for uh, acceptance, for love, of course, and also for collaboration, which I think really the age that we're going into in this new decade is a, an age of peer-to-peer, an age of human-to-human collaboration. With that kind of collaboration, we can change this world as we know it in a few short years to grow up, to show up, and to clean up you know, some of the consequences and the mess that this world still reflects and represents. And so after 10 days in Bolivia, I'm back in, in, in Brazil now, I'm getting ready for the World Economic Forum's summit, the Davos Summit. Um, flying to Switzerland in just a few short days from now. And I couldn't be more excited because Davos is one of those places where the world looks upon the World Economic Forum Summit with both hope, I believe, but also a little bit of judgment of like this conglomerate of super rich and um, powerful people meeting just to kind of meet in their exclusive circles. And let me tell you this, there is definitely a truth to that perception but it's the tiniest speck of what's actually happening in Davos. This is going to be my second time around. Um, It is quite the storm that brews up there in a sense, in a good way, in a sense of Davos, the little ski town or skiing town in the mountains of Switzerland is transforming into a, a haven for transformation and dialogues about transformation, intercultural connections that set ourselves up for making those connections of people and with people that actually allow us to carry out the messages and the missions in our world. And of course, that's my very biased personal point of view. There's also um, quite a bit of politics and power that's being played out in Davos um, that can be almost silly in its its intensity. For me, that's the kind of world we're moving away and out of the world that builds the illusion um, of personal wealth over planetary purpose and planetary wealth in that sense that if I only become powerful enough and rich enough, then I've achieved the goal of my life. And you know, this is the times that we're moving out of. And of course, there's still some reminiscence of those times around, especially in powerful places like Davos. And also a lot of the world leaders and um, investment leaders in this world right now are seeing and accepting the consequences that our old actions and our old agreements, the, the agreements from levels of consciousness that are, are basically not connected to the now anymore, how those are, have created consequences that now um, we can see, like global warming, like global pollution, like contamination with plastics, like a massive gap of inequality in the world. Wherever I go in the planet, I can see that this is still a reality. But here's why I choose optimism. And here's why after having interviewed over 150 changemakers, I continue to choose optimism and I choose to trust human beings. What we're seeing today is merely a reflection of the choices of the past. And so what we're choosing every day, every now moment, and every moment going forward actually has so much power to change, to grow up, to show up, and to clean up, um, this planet in a way that it will one day work for everyone. And of course, I'm an optimist by choice. Uh, I, I choose to be an informed optimist. I can't know everything, but I'm giving my best to be informed about as many things, initiatives, um, and, and, and you know updates in the world as possible. But at the end of the day, I always choose optimism because I believe in our ability to truly connect with nature, to truly connect with the intelligence of nature And to truly connect with the intelligence that allows us to create in unison and in alignment with nature. You could call this intelligence higher self. You could call it God. You could call it guru. You could call it um, source. The name itself doesn't really matter. But I believe when we create in biomimicry with nature as nature, something fundamentally changes. And so right now on the planet, there are still many, many, many people um, and you know, companies that don't have this triple bottom line, people, planet, profit as their guiding principle. And so this is really what my work is committed to, what my coaching, my, uh, my leadership programs and trainings are committed to, is to reach those power players and impact makers that can change the perspectives towards the triple bottom line. And that's why I'm choosing optimism, because I'm realizing that wherever I am in the world, if it's Davos, if it's Bolivia, if it's Sao Paulo, or the week after, at the end of January, I'll be in Miami at a um, FOA summit, Family Office Association, with uh, Intergen, who invited me to speak at their um, training program. And wherever I go, I see that there are more and more people waking up, looking for ways how to grow up into this kind of a human being that despite the situation on the planet chooses optimism and chooses optimism for not just the time coming, but optimism for the now to encounter the problems we have with an educated, but with a positive mindset. And let me say one more thing to this positive mindset. Positive mindset doesn't mean we have to act from ignoring the problems. A positive mindset actually helps us to face problems and to encounter problems from the perspective of the problem. So the perspective of the problem means that often the problem itself, if we go and we take the time to look deep enough into it, informs us about possible solutions. It informs us about systemic um, kind of ups and downs that have created a problem in the first place. And so, and on that note, let me make a very tactile example because I know deep down I'm a philosopher, I'm a writer, I'm a content creator, I'm a teacher. And so sometimes I drift off into the very general examples. But so you can understand my train of thought here. Let me share with you about Bolivia. Bolivia is a country, as I just mentioned a little earlier in this episode, that um, I was invited to, to come back. I actually was there 10 years ago as a tourist traveling um, Beautiful landscape, Salar de Uyuni, if you ever want to make it down to South America, the the great salt plains, uh, gorgeous, and La Paz were my, my destinations back then, about a decade ago. I'm actually during a backpacking trip with my dad, something I should possibly talk about in another episode. But for now, let me come back to this year's trip. And so it's 2020, right? Uh, Bolivia just had a political... Well, revolution in a way, evolutionary reaction, I would call it. And so Bolivia had an indigenous president for about 12 to 13 years. His name is Evo Morales. He just got kicked out of office at the end of 2019. And here's what happened. Evo Morales was a left-left leader, meaning he had almost socialist ideals. Uh, coming from an indigenous background, he was one of the more, more celebrated leaders in South America for quite a while because he was representing a part of the population that felt out of power for so long. And over those 10 years, um, without boring you about political details, there were definitely some positive aspects he's created for his country. However, over the 10, 12, 13 years that he was in power, he ultimately turned into another mm-hmm. corrupt leader with another personal mission to accumulate power, uh, do personal favors, etc. And so what happened in the last election, Long story short, this is how I got introduced to the story by my Bolivian friends and uh, the the people I worked with at Clubes de Ciencia. Literally, at the election night, there was a nationwide power outage. Like, get this, right? (laughs) And if you're from Bolivia, please bear with me and uh, let me know if I'm telling any of the details wrong. But there was a nationwide power outage. And as the power comes back, Evo Morales and his party are in the leading position for the political position of president. And so that's kind of like a really bad movie script where someone is using like uh, manipulation tactics from not just like last year, not just like last decade, but like last millennia, literally, um, to keep people in, in, in ignorance in this ignoring the truth and the facts. And so what happened, the people in Bolivia, um, even though it is one of the poorest countries in South America, if not the poorest country from an economic perspective, but the people are somewhat educated in the sense of having access to information through cell phones. And there's obviously like um, an educated youth that, that, that um, I just interacted with during Lucas de Ciencia as well. And people were really pissed. They basically said, well, F that. We're going to strike this guy out of office. And so in one of the more peaceful protests that the, the Latin American world has seen over the last decades... People everywhere in Bolivia, and especially in Santa Cruz de la Sierra, which is like the two million people economic capital, not the political capital, but the, the, the place where the economic engine of Bolivia turns. People were sitting in the street for one day, for two days, for one week, for two weeks, for three weeks. And after 21 days, finally, the military police, who was tried to be bribed as well, but ultimately that bribe went sideways, the military police asked Evo Morales to step out of office. And so here's what happened. In those 21 days, everyone striked everywhere. And that means people were literally not working. People were literally sitting on the street, blocking the streets with nothing but tires, tires and barriers. And so, yeah, long story short, they, they, they realized something which I would just, for the sake of this story, sum up into people power. And with this people power, they embody the change themselves and said, hey, our country, even though we we believed a long time ago you were the right leader because you had left ideals, you were wanting to create a more social democracy, uh, you come from an indigenous background, ultimately you turned into another corrupt leader of power, uh, corrupted himself by power, um, we will not take this any longer. And so with a 99% peaceful protest, People demanded a change. That change happened. Now, here is what we can observe on the outside. A uh, female leader from a far-right political party with a traditional background. I don't want to state too many political insights here. But from my perspective, just like the polar opposite, really, um, took over interim's power or the the access to to power for the interim um, until there is a democratic election, I believe, in May of 2020. The political experience here is just an example. I'm not endorsing anyone over someone else. Um, My my personal perspective is that those leaders are not really what we need anymore on that scale. And that's really the example I want to make. The power in this decade ahead of us comes through the people. And now we can say, okay, so as a reaction... Um, that might work. We have a reaction to a corrupt system. We have a reaction to a failing political democratic election. We can sit on the street and and, and strike someone out. That would work in probably a few countries in the world. Uh, Definitely, it did work in Bolivia just a few months ago. However, that's not really what I mean. That's just the way that it shows up when it is five minutes before midnight and at midnight, the the time strikes, right? What we really need is a way and what I, I think Um, I I see become possible as a way how this people power is being lived every day and here is one of the many pathways how this next decade is going to transfer power from leading elites to a global population of more and more educated people and again remember the initial part of this episode I am saying I am an optimist by choice. I'm choosing to see the positive solution, even though the problems are still very much with us, but the problems actually inform us about what is next. And so this example is curious because here is where I'm wanting to lead um, uh, us in this observation. It is peer-to-peer technology. And I don't believe in technology as the savior. However, I believe in technology as a bridge or a brick within the bridge that is building a form to connect. So just like Tinder is a connection for people that are looking for dating to find a personal match Um, or like Airbnb and Uber are a match to find someone whose place you can rent or to find someone in the middle of the night who you trust because they have a four or five star review on an app on a screen in your, uh, your reality. That trust, that matching is something that actually has changed the way our society works. And peer-to-peer technology is basically human-to-human exchange. Peer-to-peer meaning direct, human-to-human, instead of um, via corporations, via governments, via uh, institutions. And so peer-to-peer has a future for transport, a future for delivery. It has a future for uh, micro-lending, peer-to-peer lending. And basically, it is a revolution that is already underway that we will see grow through technology initiatives. And the Uber and Uber Eats or um, however, the delivery apps are called, are literally just the start. And so, I want to invite you, the inspired listeners of the show, to think about where people power can come into full focus and support humans to help other humans. And I'm going to go full circle here with another tactile example and mention one more time the incredible initiative and organization um, that my partner and girlfriend, Lohana, has started. A few years ago, they had over 200,000 organic users in the beginning. Now they're focusing on Fortune 1000 companies to bring this technology to the workplace. Because this is where people need this peer-to-peer growth, learning, and skill exchange. And so the company I'm talking about, if you miss it in the beginning, is called Believe. And Believe is a peer-to-peer skill exchange based on time. So let's say I offer an hour of uh, learning German And you pay me with one hour time token, which we all have the same amount of hours in a day. Um, And then so with this one hour time token that I receive from you, I can pay someone else to teach me about PowerPoint presentations or how to use my MacBook or uh, fixing my bicycle. So really on the community and um, individual life uh, side of things, it's, it's, it's about skills that make my life better. But here are the examples that Belief has already seen, both in the um, consumer base, as well as in like the Fortune 1000 companies that they said they started to work with. For one, people taking their current life situation into their own hands, taking full responsibility, developing the ability to respond, which is ultimately responsibility, right? The ability to respond and create a business from scratch without investing any money by exchanging a skill they have to accumulate more hour tokens. And with those hour tokens, buying in the skills to learn how to do finances, to learn how to uh, create a public offering, to learn how to create a, um, an invoice to, to charge someone for one service. And so the peer-to-peer platforms that are on the rise are what I want you to watch out for in this next decade, participate in, in this next decade, or, you know what, maybe even be inspired to build one of those. On the corporate side of things, what has happened with um, Believes' offer there, um, definitely plugging it really hard in this episode, but it's also because I'm fascinated by this social change. Um, And one of the big reasons why Lohan and I are in in such a long relationship and in a committed relationship is because we have understood and found the purpose we're embodying together and finding more and more love to express it into the world. And so on a corporate side of things, Imagine if there's a workplace with over 500 people. So many people don't know each other on a personal level beyond the hierarchy at the workplace. And don't get me wrong, a little bit of hierarchy can be supportive to get things done. But ultimately, a strong paramedical hierarchy prevents us from expressing the true human genius of collaboration. And so the peer-to-peer learning and skill exchange platform in this very simple example I'm making allows people to create more connection in the workplace create more connection in general, create a connection that leads to mentorship and skill exchange, which then ultimately allows for um, values that companies really want, which is employee engagement, long-term retention of employees, happiness in the workplace, and so on and so forth. So I hope those two examples uh, made it a little bit more tactile for you. uh, How and why I consistently come back to optimism And I want to close this episode with a headline that I just read on uh, npr.org. And that is that the world's largest asset manager puts climate at the center of its investment strategy. And so the BlackRock chairman and CEO Larry Fink has just started to publicly announce a significant reallocation of capital. And so what does that mean? It means that even the purest capitalists out there who are basically big investment strategists and hedge fund managers are starting to see the necessity of directing capital towards planet, towards purpose, towards people, because only in that way can we guarantee a thriving humanity or a humanity that is um, able to partake in this, um, this shared life, the shared reality we're building in the first place. And so that is the consciousness and the initiatives I'm seeing everywhere in the world where I go. And so what I want to continuously offer you with Green Planet, Blue Planet, with the videos I host, with the interviews I host, the content I create and share, is is this hope, is this trust that for one, it's possible. Two, there's many people already working in the same direction as I am. And three, that when we continue to share those narratives, we are able to create a wave of change, an ROI that goes beyond return of investment into ripple of impact. And so this is what I wanted to share with you right now. And I hope wherever you are in the world, this reaches you, reaches your heart, reaches your mind to take one next step to create a positive impact in the people and the world around you. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so. And we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line, where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview, because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up, to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there is a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you, and until soon.